The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode number 97. Creeping up on that centennial episode. Today's Sunday, June the 24th. Back on to our regularly scheduled programming here, recording on Sunday. And we had a big week for MMA. We had some really awesome events, a little bit of news. Before I get into that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey and fresh on summer vacation. Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling, man? You're already looking refreshed. School's out for the summer. What's going on? Bill, we're only two days in to summer vacation, and I don't even know what day it is, so I love it. <laughs> I just told you it was Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even listen to my intros, do you? Bill, I'm burned out, man. I, I can only pay attention for about three seconds at a time. All right, well, in two weeks, you're going to be down here in sunny Florida. We're going to be having some drinks, smoking some cigars. And speaking of drinks, I got a Sweetwater Going Coastal IPA holding it up for those uh, very few YouTube viewers here. This is an IPA that is done with pineapple flavor. So they use like a citrusy hop, and then they flavor it with pineapple. It's really good. Um, you know, You know me and sweets, Jeff. I don't get along with the sweets. So it's got just enough to complement the hops, those citrusy hops, and the, the pineapple gives it like a nice, refreshing, extra something, uh, but it's not overly sweet. Really refreshing on a hot day. It felt over 100 degrees here in Florida today, So this, and I was outside for most of the day, so this is really hitting the spot right now. And uh, it's going to go nicely. I'm going to grill up some tuna on the grill after we're done with this episode, so... A little pineapple beer, a little seared tuna on the grill. I'm going to do it on a cedar plank. It's going to be a nice nice Sunday evening, Jeff. So I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling good about MMA too because we had a lot of exciting events. So we had uh, UFC Fight Night 132 in Singapore on Saturday morning, which already feels like it was weeks ago. Uh, because it started main card started 8 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, so I, I wound up watching only the main card. My daughter woke me up at 7:30 Saturday morning. So I just kind of stayed in bed and, and threw on the fight pass and checked that out. But uh, I don't want to lead with that, Jeff, because I feel like the bigger story is the PFL, the professional fight league, uh, formerly world series of fighting. And I feel like, we should spotlight this because this is an organization that hasn't gotten nearly enough press. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the system they put in place here for MMA. I feel like it could change the game. Uh, and I, I think it's a really entertaining structure they have. So for those who don't know, the PFL has started a tournament-based uh, MMA uh, organization. So they have six weight classes. And each weight class is set up into a tournament mode. And the winner of the tournament wins a million dollars. Now, there are a few extra rules. It's not just a straight 
bracket tournament. It's a point system. So if you finish a fight in the first round, you get six points. That's the most amount of points you can get. If you finish a fight in the second round, you get five. And if you finish a fight in the third round, you get four. If you win a fight by decision, you get three points. If you do not win the fight, you get zero points. What I really like about the point system is it really gives an incentive for the fighters to fight in a more exciting fashion because if you have a game plan against an opponent where you just want to ride out a decision, which you, you know isn't wrong, I don't disagree with fighters ever doing that, and I've been very vocal about that in the past, but if you're in a division where other guys are finishing fights in the first round, you know that you're not going to get enough points to win that million-dollar prize by just beating guys by decision. So it really gives that extra incentive. The other thing that I really like that they did, Jeff, so Efren Escudero, who is a UFC alumni, he fought on this PFL 2 card, and he missed weight by four pounds, I believe. Three pounds, if you consider he was allowed to be 156. So he came in at 159. They said... Win or lose, you do not qualify for any points towards a million-dollar prize, and um, you, you have to give 25% of your fight purse. I don't know what his purse was for this card. Uh, I don't imagine they're paying the fighters very much uh, since you know there's the opportunity for this million-dollar prize, but I really like that they did that. So Efren Escudero wound up winning his fight at PFL 2 on Thursday night in Chicago, and he's now in last place. Because he has zero points. he's They put actually ranked him below guys who lost their fights. So I really like this structure, Jeff. I think there are some issues with it. Because you could have guys like, say, Efren misses weight. And he wins every single fight in this tournament. He could theoretically have less points than someone else. So that person could not win every fight and still get the grand prize. I don't know how they're going to sort that out. Uh, I don't know if if there's like an end-all, be-all to the points. I feel like a lot of people don't even know, one, that this organization exists, unless you listened to this podcast last week where I was talking about it, and two, you know, how the point system works. So this is why I want to continue to cover this, Jeff. I think it's really important because we always say the UFC needs some competition because that makes everybody step their game up. You know, the PFL may have figured out a solution to uh, handle the weight cutting issue with this point system. Uh, so I, I love almost everything about it. Um, it. Some of the stuff, like the production is a little bit shaky. They use a four broadcaster uh, system, which I'm not uh, a huge fan of. They have awesome people, though. They have some guy who is the color commentator, you know, like the John Anik or, or Mike Goldberg style person. You have to have that guy. Uh, I don't even know who he is. Then you have Boss Rutten, one of the great play-by-play -play, uh, commentators of all time, in my opinion, he used to do Pride. And then you have Randy Couture and Eve Edwards. Uh, what I would do if I was a PFL, I would take Randy and Eve off the commentating booth and I would put them behind a desk because I think they're both fantastic analysts, but I don't know about having them with play-by-play. -play. With four people, it gets a little too watered down. You have too many opinions going on there. I mean, they did have a pretty good rhythm, but I think it was too too much with four people. So take two of them and make them analysts. I gave you a lot of information, Jeff. Did you catch any of the PFL? And 
what do you think about their point system, the million-dollar prize, the whole thing? So I was only able to check out two fights uh, because I was a little pressed for time. I've been a little caught up in the World Cup, Bill. But um, I think it's a, it's a really interesting format. I think it's smart. And a lot of, and a, there's a couple of leagues uh, in other sports that are set up the same way, like soccer uses point systems. I believe that the NHL also works on a point system. So I think it's interesting. I think that it's definitely an incentive to, you know, finish fights early. And I like the punishments for the weight cutting. I I think that, um, you know, it's uh, like you said, Escudero missed weight, but not only did he have to pay his opponent, but he also messed up his chances in, in order to, you know, win this tournament. So if he, if he ends up maybe tying on points with somebody else, um, let's say maybe him and somebody else end up with just off the top of my head, maybe 18 points, both. And the tiebreaker could be, Hey, you missed weight. So we're not going to allow you to win this thing. So I, I think that that's a possibility in the future. If there's ever like a tiebreaker needed, but dude, I like this setup. I like the the ingenuity behind it, and Bill, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna start keeping an eye on the on the PFL. You know, I was always a fan of the World Series of Fighting and this new system. It sounds really, really interesting. And to go back to the commentary that you were saying, um, that you were talking about, I think that Boss Rutan and a color commentator would be awesome. And then you have Randy Couture and the other guy you mentioned. Uh, like you said, in the back, after each fight, have them analyze, um, kind of like a UFC fight night uh, setup. Yeah, for sure. I so mean, night, sorry. Yeah. So I, I know you didn't see a lot of the event. I want to go over a couple of highlights. So the main event, uh, a little bit slow. So Will Brooks, who is a veteran of the UFC, veteran of Bellator, I believe he was a champion over there, and uh, Luis Firmino. This was a you know, it was a very technical fight, very back and forth. Uh, I, Will Brooks barely edging out a unanimous decision win. So uh, that doesn't put him in the greatest scenario because there are other guys in this division who have first round finishes. Uh, so that really makes things interesting. Uh, so if you if you are a person who does not like to see decision wins, you're basically seeing guys punished in a way for winning decisions because – well, it's more so guys who have early finishes are being rewarded. So that was an okay match. Uh, one of the highlights of the card, in my opinion, Kayla Harrison, uh, American Olympian in judo, the first ever American to win a gold medal in judo, uh, made her MMA debut. She looked phenomenal. She was completely dominant. Granted, this may have been a feeder fish that they gave her, but uh, you know, just because she's competed on the biggest stage in the world at, at the Olympics, being locked in a cage with another individual is a completely different story. So there's a whole new set of nerves there. And she kind of described it that way. She said nothing can be as pressure packed as fighting in the Olympics. But what makes her nervous is the unknown. She's never done it before. Jeff, she looked incredible. I know you saw this fight. Uh, she controlled Every second of this fight got a first round finish by armbar in the first round. Uh, she looked in phenomenal shape. Uh, my only question here is where can she go from here? Uh, Boss Rutten kind of pressured her a little bit at the end of the fight, asking her to call somebody out. But 
this fight took place in 155 pounds. As we've seen, uh, the MMA world is hard pressed to find 145 pound stars. So I don't know if she can get down to that weight. She's very thickly muscle muscled. And that comes from years and years of judo training. Uh, it just puts a, a layer of muscle on you that, that may never go away. And that's not water weight that you can just cut down. So I don't know where she goes from here, but I can tell you that I'm excited to see it. What were your thoughts on Kayla Harrison's mixed martial arts debut, Jeff? Yeah, dude, super impressed. Um, as soon as Harrison locked up with Elkin, you could see the strength difference. Um, I, it, it looked like Elkin really couldn't keep up with Harrison. And like you said, that's from years of judo training. Um, you know, it's, you just build up muscle that it's practical. And what I mean by that is like, if you're a weightlifter, yeah, you're strong, but lifting weights and being able to throw people around, it's a different kind of strength. It's a different kind of. Uh, muscle groups that you're using and dude uh, Harrison looked great in the clinch her takedowns were flawless as soon as they hit the ground you know it was game over um, I'd like to see a little bit more of her striking but if she can keep this up man I'm really excited to see where she goes from here yeah she's gonna be a terror once she gets comfortable uh, fighting in a cage and you know they already put her on the main card in her debut and she she was one of the brightest shining stars on the entire card mm -hmm. kayla harrison so if you've never heard of her before really incredible story she was sexually abused for many years by her former judo coach i won't even say his name on here to not bring any attention to him he is in prison right now serving a sentence for this but uh he was abusing her for a long time and she finally decided to speak out about it and it's really inspirational because uh, you know, we hear a lot about people who have been sexually abused in their life and they don't want to speak out because they're afraid of the consequences or afraid that they're going to be thought of a certain way. And she had the courage to do that. And I think she really inspired a lot of people and she wrote about it in her book. Uh, I don't have the title of it offhand, but I, I will tweet that out for you guys. The title of her book. Uh, it's on my list of things to read as well. Just such an awesome story, uh, how she can overcome that and become an Olympic champion. And now she's starting a new chapter of her life at only 25 or 26 years old. Uh, I'm really excited to start following her career, and I hope that there's a bright future for her in MMA, and I'm pretty sure there will be. So uh, some other things to note on this PFL card, there was a controversial stoppage in the Efren Escadero fight. So not only did he miss weight, he was losing his fight to Jason High. In my opinion, uh, Jason High was winning the first two rounds. In the third round, Jason High got caught in a guillotine by Efren Escadero. And Jason High was doing everything properly. He was stacking up. He was tripoding to lean into the choke and he was trying to hand fight a little bit. What he did was he was basing out with his hands, and he reached in to hand fight and realized that Efren's hands were locked on the other side, and he reached his hand back out again to base out, and referee Josh Stewart called a stop to the fight, and Jason High was furious. He put his hand on Josh Stewart, uh, which is totally unacceptable. You can't do that no matter how you how pissed off you are or how stupid the decision was. Put his hand on the referee, and it's not the first time Jason High has done this. So he's probably doubly fucked if the commission wants to take action against him. 
or enact some kind of suspension. He also left the cage and knocked over a bunch of chairs, had a little bit of a tantrum. Uh, so it's not looking good for him. I understand that he's really frustrated, but one, it doesn't help with his appeal because the athletic commission reviewed the tape and they agreed with Josh Stewart that he did tap, even though he very clearly did not. Uh, anybody who has ever trained jujitsu or watched any amount of MMA and reviewed this tape would know that Jason Hyde did not tap out to the submission, but that's how it's going to go in the record books. Efren Escudero gets the win. He gets no points towards a million dollar prize since he missed weight, but he does get a submission finish on his record. And you know, the commission is always going to side with the referee. I don't think I've ever heard a case where there's been appeal or a review and they sided against the referee. It's just kind of the way it goes. Jeff, I know you didn't catch this, but given this recap, what's your reaction to this situation with Escadero and high the, uh, called submission by the referee and then Jason High's reaction to it. Well, here's the thing. Refs make bad calls. It happens in every sport. This isn't the first time it's going to happen in the uh, in uh, MMA, not the last time it's going to happen. And Bill, listen, it sucks. It's a messed up situation, but getting mad and throwing a tantrum is not going to help the situation at all. So, while I feel for Jason High, and, you know, just, you know, listening to it, uh, I know you can see me nodding my head because I, I was putting it together in my head the way you were describing it because you're an awesome storyteller, Bill. So, oh, uh, yeah, so I could, you know, I could see the what was going on in my head. And, you know, it doesn't sound like it was a tap. And, you know, this does happen in jujitsu and in MMA where you reposition yourself. But like I said, getting mad about it isn't going to help. It's not going to help his look. And, you know, you're not winning too many people over on this one. So if he needs a favor or if he has that ref call one of his fights again, it's going to be a tough situation. So not a good look. Yeah, especially when you're kind of like grabbing at straws in your career, so to speak. Jason High, 36 years old. So uh, getting close to being too uh, old for MMA. So he's had a run in the UFC where he was kind of hot and cold. He's been in there with Rafael Dos Anjos. He's been in there with. Eric Silva. He's been in there with high level guys and that seems to be where he falls short. So, but definitely a talented fighter and he definitely had a shot at this prize, but you know, you don't want to put yourself in a bad spot with the organization that's given you a chance at this prize. I, I understand that he's really frustrated because he was winning the fight. Uh, so that's unfortunate. Uh, it was uh, super lucky for Efren Escudero, but yeah, again, he may put himself in a situation where he gets to the finals of this tournament and he doesn't have the points to get the prize. I don't know how that's going to work out. I would be interested to see how the PFL handles that if that is the case, but we'll worry about that down the line. So two other fights I want to point out on this card. If you missed it, these are two you definitely have to check out. Uh, that goes for you, Jeff, and anybody listening who didn't catch this card at all. So definitely Kayla Harrison you have to check out. Um, Check out the Jason Haya for an Escudero fight to see, uh, you know, what you think about the finish there. But two other fights, Brian Foster and Ramsey Nijem. Uh, so Ramsey Nijem, uh, ultimate fighter alumni. This was a great fight. Very, very back and forth. Brian Foster, uh, most. Bill, you still there? 
Bill, I think we lost connection, buddy. That one, Jeff. The other one I would say go back and check out check out Sean O'Connell and Honey Marks. Uh, this was a really unique fight because Sean O'Connell wanted a chance to be a broadcaster, so he actually came in the broadcasting booth for the prelims, went back, changed out of his suit, uh, and then uh, you know laced up his trunks and got in the cage, got his ass handed to him in the first round, and came back with a TKO victory in the second round. It was a really exciting fight. Uh, I thought he was pretty much done for, but he came out in the second round, got the job done. So he got two jobs done. He broadcasted the prelims, and then he came out, and he won his fight. Uh, so I, I know you saw the Foster Nism fight. I want to get your thoughts on that, Jeff. And, uh, from what I told you, are you willing to go back and check out O'Connell and Honey Marks? Dude, that actually sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to go back and check out O'Connell versus Marks. And as for the Foster versus Nism fight, um, I liked it. It was really enjoyable. It was really back and forth. I thought Nijum started off really well. Uh, was proving to be a little bit of a handful on the ground. But once Foster got going, um, it was really tough for Nijam. I don't think he could keep up with Foster's pace and output and that in-your-face style. So Nijam struggled a little bit, and then he just tried to change levels at the wrong time, and Foster caught him with a kind of like a flying knee, and it was over from there. So really, really good fight from both of these guys. And Nijum is someone who I liked him when he was on The Ultimate Fighter, so I do want to keep following his career. But that Sean O'Connell story just sounds awesome. I love it. Yeah. And Brian Foster, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age as well too, which I think is going to be the case uh, with a lot of these fighters in the PFL until they're able to start uh, – you know, harvesting some new talent, but you know, he's been in there with some top competition, John Fitch, Justin Gaethje. Uh, so he, Jake Shields, he's definitely, uh, you know, felt the top of the top. So, uh, he may be, maybe a dark horse in this tournament here. I think a lot of people probably would have favored Nijem since he has uh, more UFC experience, uh, than other people in the bracket, but, uh, and, and who knows with the point system, maybe Nijem's not out of it. You know, you got a guy who, who won a fight that has less points than Nijam at this point. So uh, interesting format. I really enjoy it. Uh, Vinny Magalhaes also on the undercard. He he got a uh, submission at a minute 37 seconds of the first round. And then the entire prelims was just littered with stoppages. So awesome. I only wish that more people knew about it. And we have to do our part to educate people about this, Jeff, because – uh, Bellator has been kind of shitting the bed lately with their events. And I feel like this is a really exciting format. It's something different. It's something new. It makes it easy to follow. So if you're a casual fan, you can look at the PFL and you could see rankings and you understand why, if you know what the point system is. So as long as the word gets out there about this, I feel like this could be a really successful format. And I believe the tournament wraps up around new year's. And uh, they got an event coming to New York soon, Jeff. So you may want to keep an eye out for that. Uh, I believe the tickets go pretty cheap. So uh, yeah, let's all let's all keep our eyes on the professional fight league. And I wanted to highlight that over the UFC fight night, uh, which was actually a fight morning for us here on the East Coast in the United States, because I thought the PFL put on a, a much better card. I thought the fights were better. I thought it was more entertaining. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the Singapore fight night was was pretty solid. It, it was uh, 
an awesome main event, very back and forth fight uh, between Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Leon Edwards. Uh, I just feel like it was a disappointing finish for me because, uh, first of all, I I thought Cowboy could have possibly won the fight. I understand why the decision went to Leon Edwards. I did have it scored two to two going into the fifth round. And in the fifth round of this fight, I feel like Leon Edwards didn't even get off his stool. He came out and did absolutely nothing in the fifth round. Cowboy Cerrone was chasing him around the cage, trying to get him to engage. He would not engage. Cowboy took him down uh, basically at will. He wasn't even fighting the takedown. He coasted through this fifth round, uh, basically assuming that he had won uh, at least three out of the last four. Now, according to the judges, he did. Uh, and, you know, Cowboy's a slow starter, as we know. And I said last week that Leon Edwards would be able to beat him if he put pressure on him and kept pressure on him. He put pressure on him in the first round. I would even argue Leon Edwards had a 10-8 round in the first. And this fight could have been a draw, and I would have been fine with that too. I'm also okay with Edwards getting the decision, and I understand it. But I was really disappointed to see him just completely give up in that fifth round. And that shows me that he's not ready for the top of this division that is filled with grapplers filled with grinders who will pressure you and pressure you. And they have cardio for days. It seemed like he was worn out from the little bit of grappling he did with cowboy where he got held up against the fence. And I guess he got some blood in his arms and the broadcasters were trying to say, Oh, he, he looks like he's saving it for the end for a big explosion. And it, and it just never came. And, uh, I, I thought he looked phenomenal in the early rounds of the fight, but once he gets in there with a Kamaro Usman or a Rafael Dos Santos or a Colby Covington, who's going to be in his face trying to put him on his back hard for five rounds, I don't see him surviving that and being able to even make it to a fifth round. Uh, maybe that's just my interpretation, but uh, you know he did look phenomenal. He's a great striker. He did look phenomenal early in the fight. He hurt Cowboy bad, and I think the cut he opened up on Cowboy in the first round had a lot to do with him getting the decision. What were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff, and how did you score it? Bill, I had uh, Edwards. I'd given him the first three rounds, and then I felt like that's when Cowboy started waking up a little bit, and rounds four and five were definitely, definitely for Cowboy. But um, I think I am just um, kind of summing it up as a lack of experience. I don't think that Edwards was ready for five rounds. Maybe he was a little overconfident in his striking. Maybe he thought he could finish Cowboy sooner because, like we've said, he's a slower starter. But um, I think that... You know, with some more prep, I think he'll be a little bit more prepared for the next time he has a five-round fight. I think he underestimated Cowboy a little bit. Um, but, yeah, dude, he definitely started to fade in those later rounds. And like I said, I think you can only chalk it up to inexperience. Um, and, dude, other than that, I was impressed with Leon Edwards, man, especially in those opening rounds. His striking was really good. He was hurting Cowboy. He was winning a lot of the exchanges. So I don't think that Edwards' stock goes down at all, but I definitely think he has a couple of things to work on before he gets back in the cage. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he does have a unanimous decision loss on his record to Kamaru Usman, which you know I believe is going to be the kryptonite for this guy. If it had been a five-round fight with Usman, he may not have survived it. But 
He is on a six-fight winning streak since then. I would say that they should probably give him another striker uh, before putting him in there with the upper echelon of this division. Uh, that's really what I would recommend. Uh, maybe Jorge Masvidal would be a great fight. Uh, you know, he's in a little bit of a slump lately, and he will stand and bang with Leon Edwards. I think that's probably one of the better fights to be made right now. I don't know if you could even put him in there with a Wonder Boy, because uh, Wonder Boy will stand with him. But you know, Wonder Boy is a, a hard puzzle to solve for a lot of guys. So I, I don't really know what you do with Leon Edwards um, going forward. But yeah, you're you're right. He did look good. So, and I don't think you can put him in there with Darren Till either, because if you're trying to build up your market in England, you can't take the two, uh, you know, two of the most popular British fighters and, and, uh, and put them against each other. So I, I say Masvidal next for Edwards. As for Cowboy, he's not going anywhere. This guy could lose 50 fights in a row and still headline a card. Um, and supposedly he was really sick going into this main event as well. He said he didn't even feel like going out there in his post-fight interview. So I don't know. Cowboy will be back. He'll be fine. They'll give him an exciting fight. What I do hope happens is they establish this 165 pound division because that would be the perfect place for Cowboy to go. And you have a lot of other fighters that are asking for it. Uh, most notably, Kevin Lee has been asking for it adamantly. And he most recently, <laughs> requested a title shot against GSP for the inaugural 165-pound uh, weight class. I'm not opposed to this. I feel like they should space it out a little bit, maybe make 170, 175 instead, and then you have every 10 pounds because 155 to 170 is a big jump. You know, we talked about this a couple of months ago, Jeff, uh, before – before they instated the women's flyweight division where you had 115 to 135. Obviously, that's a much uh, bigger jump, but – you need another weight class in there. I think we definitely need probably a, a 195 as well, and then probably a 225. And uh, I'm not opposed to uh, creating these weight classes. I don't think it would be as watered down as boxing. I think every 10 pounds is perfectly fine. I'm even okay with eliminating the men's flyweight division because I really don't care <laughs> to watch any flyweight fights. Uh, <laughs> in any case... Let's move on to the co-main event of Fight Night 132 here. Uh, I was most excited for this fight, and I was not disappointed. I thought it was the best fight on the entire card, and that was uh, light heavyweights Ovin St. Preux and Tyson Pedro. Tyson Pedro coming out guns blazing. Ovin St. Preux looked like something was wrong. From his walkout to the start of the fight, he just looked off. He looked dazed. He looked out of it. He looked like he was potentially sick. He got rocked by Tyson Pedro, almost put away, and then he comes back out of nowhere, and he comes back with one of the nastiest arm bars uh, I've ever seen, reminiscent of Frank Mir and Tim Sylvia, uh, where if Tyson Pedro didn't tap when he did, that arm would have been in two pieces for sure. What were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Bill, uh, yeah, I noticed that too a little bit about OSP. I don't know if maybe he had a rough weight cut or something, but dude, this fight for the three minutes that it lasted was awesome. Tyson Pedro comes out, guns blazing, like you said, looking good on top, and then um, tries to finish, can't, tries to go for a guillotine, but OSP rides it out and is able to turn it around and get on top. And Dude, 
the arm bar that he used is one of my favorites. We call it a reverse arm bar or a straight arm bar. And I like it because you can get it off of Kimura attempts or shoulder locks and OSP. You could just see the torque. I mean, Bill, I thought he was going to break Pedro's arm. Like as I was watching it and he came off the ground a little bit with the arm, I actually went, ah, because, <laughs> like, because I could, it felt like I was in the arm bar. That's how tight this thing was. And dude, I'm so glad Pedro tapped. I don't think he was too far from getting that arm broken, but credit to both of these guys. I'm excited to see what's next for both of them. So Bill, who do you put OSP in there with now? Because I feel like he hasn't been able to crack the top five in a while. Yeah, it, it's hard to say because he he's been so kind of hot and cold. Um, it, you know, he he went to distance with John Jones, and a lot of people can't say that they've done that. Uh, the the title picture is kind of muddy right now with Daniel Cormier moving up. Um, it, you know, he's got a, a loss to Jimmy Manua, so maybe a rematch there would make sense. Um, he had an early guillotine loss to Alir Latifi as well. So maybe that rematch makes sense. Uh, he has never fought Alexander Gustafson. So that's, that's a possible matchup. I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, uh, Gustafson may not want it because, you know, OSP has been a little bit hot and cold, but you know, he just gave a chance to a, a younger fighter ranked below him. I'd like to see OSP and Gustafson. I think that would be a fun fight. Uh, as for Tyson Pedro, uh, I think there are a lot of fun fights you could do with him. You know, you got a lot of light heavyweights coming up from the contender series. I feel like this guy needs a little bit more grooming. Uh, I think he, he was taking on too much too fast, uh, just because this division is so thin and that's unfortunate for him because I think he really is a spectacular talent and I think he has a lot of potential. So I, I think maybe pump the brakes with him a little bit, give him some of these guys that look really great coming off the contender series and then kind of wean him back into that top level competition and then see how he handles the top tier after he gets a few more fights under his belt. But uh, definitely excited to see both of these guys back in there. Um, you know, you never know what you're going to get with OSP. Uh, he either shows up or he doesn't. And either way you get usually spectacular or unusual finishes so um awesome fight there then we had uh jessica i getting the decision over jessica rose clark um i, I don't have too much to say about this fight uh, if you don't have anything jeff we can just kind of uh pass over it uh and then uh, another fight jing liang lee he's a guy i've been i've been high on for a while he's probably the biggest star coming out of china right now i wish he would come and fight in the states so more people could see him fight because he was on the main card here. He was against Deitch Abe and he looked really good uh, at 170. He, he beat up Abe to the legs, a lot of really hard leg kicks. His striking looked really slick, really smooth. He's, he's a great striker. I believe he's training over here now at Extreme Couture uh, in Vegas. So I wish they would get him on some cards in the States to get some more eyes on this kid. Uh, he did have a loss in his last fight, but he went to distance with Jake Matthews, who is a, is a really good grappler. And it's kind of what I feel like is going to be his kryptonite is 
again, the grapplers in this 170-pound division, uh, it's really going to be tough for these strikers coming up because the top is just swarming with grapplers. I mean, the, the champ Tyron Woodley, and then you go down the list with the exception of wonder boy and, uh, Robbie Lawler and Darren till, uh, you know, you got some really fierce grapplers in here, but I thought Lee looked really good. Uh, what were your thoughts on his performance, Jeff? I agree with you a hundred percent. I have also liked Jing Liang Lee. He's just, he, he goes in there, leaves everything in the octagon. Um, you know, how do I put this? Like I said, he leaves everything in the octagon. He's not afraid to swing with people and just throw heavy leather. And Bill, like you said, his striking looked really good. His leg kicks were good. His right hand was really dangerous. He put Abe down a few times. And overall, you know, he's a young guy. I really want to see him expand his his um, his fighting style and add some grappling into it because, like you said, man, he struggled with Jake Matthews, who actually had a win on this uh Card as well during the prelims, and dude, I want to see Jing Liang really add to his arsenal. I think he's got the potential to be a really good fighter. He's fun to watch. He's in there. He's scrappy. He's like smacking his head, um, re- uh, and egging people on to to swing with him. So I think that I agree with you. I think that if we can get some more eyes on him on this side of the world, I think that he could become a really popular fighter really quickly. Yeah, and he does have some grappling. His wrestling is pretty good, and he has some submissions under his belt, but none of them came in the UFC. So uh, I do still worry how he will do against some of these top-tier grapplers, uh, but I I do have confidence that this young man could be a big star for China, which I think is important because it's a really big market uh, that the UFC needs to capitalize on, and I believe they've only had one event in uh in china if i'm not mistaken so uh i'm sure there are plans to go back there and and they want to go to russia obviously i think there's an event planned for moscow this coming fall so you know breaking into asia is important so a big event in for singapore i think it was really for that eastern audience uh since it it wasn't even close to prime time over here but uh decent event uh, some other things I want to point out, uh, Teruto Ishihara, who the UFC, I think kind of thought could have been a big star knocked out in the first round of his fight. And, uh, I think he's lost like, uh, I don't know. He's lost a lot, like six out of his last four. That's not even possible. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, this is the guy who they, in the early interviews, he's like, he's like, I'm here to make money and get bitches. Uh, and they had like some really funny videos of him that they were, uh, putting out on the internet. But I think now if you Googled him, probably the only videos you'll see is him getting knocked out. So not a good, not a good night for Ishihara. And then, uh, a big knockout for Yadong Song against Philippe Arantes. Jeff, if Yadong had a song, how would it go? <laughs> 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 oh man, Bill. Oh man. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to give him a nickname at some point. <laughs> yeah, right. We call him uh I don't know. We'll call him Cisco. Cisco had the thong song. And now he could be your dong song. Uh 
But I think you've had a little too many of those sweet waters over there. I've had exactly one, Jeff. It is empty, but uh, just just one beer on the day. It's not the alcohol. It's my love of puns. Uh, <laughs> as you guys know, if you've been listening for a while, every episode, the title of every episode is some sort of pun. Uh, so if you're able to uh, catch on to that for now, kudos to you. And uh, if you're not, you can just go hum me a dong song somewhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, in any case, uh, there were some other finishes on this card, a couple of split decisions. Uh, I didn't bother with the prelims. Nothing really jumped out of the page. If there's anything we missed uh, that you think is really worth watching, please let us know on social media. Uh, and you can catch Jeff there at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And of course you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on social media. Jeff, do you have anything else you want to add? We get our next event is not until July next UFC in any case, and you're going to be here uh, for it. So uh, I think we can wait until next week to start previewing those. And then you're going to be here for the ultimate fighter finale and UFC 227 headlined by heavyweight champ Stephen Miocic in a super fight against light heavyweight champ Daniel Cormier. Anything else you want to cover today, my friend? Yeah, just one last thing, Bill, because I will also be there for PFL 3, which is on July 5th. Oh, all right. So again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's going to be a it's going to be an MMA filled weekend. I'm sure the wife will be thrilled about this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to do some uh, preemptive uh, baby time to, to make up for this. In any case, that's all we got. Check out some uh, Sweetwater going coastal IPAs. I'm going to go check out a few more of these and fire up the grill. And we'll be back next week with the last episode before Jeff is here live in studio and we got a lot of MMA to prep for that weekend. So we'll be back next week to start breaking all those cards down. So until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>